This is the Total Perspective Vortex. I'm Tragula. And I'm Christian. It's July 10th, 2020. It's another, fi- it's another Friday, Christian. You know what day it is? Yes. Do you know what day it is? It's mailbag day! <laughs> I, 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 per- I, I prefer uh, uh, fr- Friday listener questions, FLQ. Yeah, yeah. Taking it back. FLQ, yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> FLQ day! <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's a, maybe too, too soon for that. <laughs> yeah. That's Canadians. Too soon for that one. <laughs> too soon for that. I don't know what the, how, how people are going to rate that. You know, like you're, we're saying we're using these terms. FLQ yeah. day might not, uh, you know, bring us high in the, in the uh, YouTube algorithms. Yeah. But anyway. Um, or, or conversely, it may may uh, elevate us depending. Oh, on how, yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> Damn commies. Um, <laughs> so we have an actual listener question today, um, which we seem to be getting more and more of, uh, which is which is great. Uh, yeah. Did you want me to just dive into it? It seemed to me like much of what you describe as origins, i.e., stories. Uh, exemplars, etc., could be applied to any sort of ideology or sets of ideals. At what point do you think ideology becomes a religion, specifically, and not, say, a broader philosophy, uh, a national myth, or political ideology? All right. So uh, that's a really good question. Yeah. From a loyal listener. And and maybe to to boil it down, I hope I'm going to hit all those points. Um, but to boil it down, it's really like, what is the difference between ideology and religion? Right. Right. So I would say that they are, um, there are interrelated concepts. So there's definitely some overlap between them, but the first different difference I'm going to draw is that there is a significant difference in focus. So religions tell us how to live, their plan of how to live, whereas ideologies focus more on uh, being a system to understand the world. Uh, there is overlap there, but it, one is, is focused on, uh, like an ideology is more focused on describing the world, where... Um, of religion is more focused on what you do, if that makes sense. And of course, with a, a religion... So prescript, prescriptive versus descriptive, potentially? Uh, no, because no, not- uh, prescriptive versus descriptive is like how the world should be, ought to be. And there's more of that in religion. Okay. But it religion is... it's, it's Religion is more like a plan... Where and a uh, ideology is more of a description. Okay, so let's let's hear you flesh those out. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so an ideology will, will will tell you how the world is. Uh, a political system, or uh, well, a scientific theory, is more along the lines of an ideology. And I'm not saying science is necessarily ideology. That's not a can of worms. But I'm just saying it's, it, it's describing the world. So communism, for example, describes um, economic relationships. 
and says things like labor equals value. Right. The labor theory of value. Yeah. Yeah. The labor theory of value. So that's, uh, that's a description of how the world is. That's not telling you, that's not focusing on how you act. Right. So, so religion's more about value judgments, but value judgments are more about what one should do. Saying something is good or bad is, is really at, at the core. It's like saying like what, what beliefs you should have and how you should act. So it's more about religion is bringing it back. Religion is more about how to live your life. Now these, now if you may be getting caught up because it's not a clear delineation. It's a, it's a difference of focus. This is, you can't tease these things part apart entirely because any plan or any, any uh, religious doctrine that's telling you how to live your life is necessarily going to imply some ideology. It's going to, it's going to make some um, statements about how the world is. And conversely, something like an, an ideology, like, communism which has like a labor theory of value it's focusing on how the world is but it's that's still going to have implications about how you should live which which would explain kind of uh, like cultural marxism right because when you believe these things it leads you to certain behaviors is that what you're yeah yeah well like and that's why people get confused it's like why ideologies begin to seem like religions and and religions uh, seem ideological. Okay. Okay. I, I, I prefer black and white thinking. I don't appreciate <laughs> this Venn diagram. <laughs> so like, so it's, it's this, it, so it's, I, so there's, there's overlap there. Like, so it, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, some muddiness to the concepts, but I'm going to actually uh, delineate some things that actually now flesh out more of, of how you can tell an ideology from a religion. Well, I actually just finished my um, fr- From Stories to Religion of uh, TPV in five minutes, and it's up uh, now. And I really sort of get into how religion is developed from stories and meaning. And the the end of, of religion there, I talk about there, when we get to God, one way of describing God is, this, is it iter- an iterative loop, a horn of plenty. God is... is the, the things that, that you um, abstract out of a, panthe- a pantheon of gods or of, out of all the virtues is a process or a practice that happens to be an iterative loop. But it's a generative, a generative loop. It generates good. It generates plenty. And this is like the idea of a horn of plenty, uh, I, I think, derives from this. The corn- cornucopia that they use as, as a symbol in Thanksgiving. It's originally from Greek mythology. It's this horn that, that keeps on spiraling. And, and if you think of how, how the horn, the cornucopia is shaped and the tradition of the, that kind of horn of an animal, it starts at a small point and it grows bigger, bigger and bigger. And out of it, it explodes all this goodness, right? Right. Right. Okay. So there's that, that iterative process. Now an ideology, an ideology and this is the similarity is is built up in a similar fashion to the way a religion is, but the loop at the end isn't a horn of plenty; it's an infinite loop. It's rigid and perfect and circular. If that makes sense. So, so it's not yeah, generative. So, 
or maybe it may be useful at the time, but because it's an infinite loop, it will become discordant with reality. And there's no mechanism for it to, an ideology um, lacks, um, lacks the mechanism to bring it back in, in, into uh, accord with reality as, as the potential, the future changes, as, as the environment changes. And that um, dis- discordance with reality, disharmony with reality will increase. So ideologies tend to fossilize and be left in the dust because they don't grow. So, right. so one of the things that like a good test of, of, of whether something is an ideology, like a, 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 per, um, a perfect ideology that has a propensity, that will have a propensity to false, uh, false, uh, to fossilize. Like if you have an infinity loop at the, at the, at the core of your ideology is to see what happens at the points of discordance with reality. So it, if you're in a trapped ideology, uh, the reality, when, when there's a conflict between reality and the ideology, the reality will be judged wrong. Right, right. So let's, so the, what immediately comes to mind is, you know, um, with communism, where it's like it's not working. Therefore, hmm, have we tried genocide? <laughs> yeah, we tried mass murdering people. Hmm, that didn't work. Okay, all right. Do we try mass murdering the right people? Let's try to identify and then mass. Well, murder I mean, we don't have to go US. straight to mass murder, but you can right. start with. Um, I'm just giving a, a yeah a yeah yeah okay, example. Yeah yeah. yeah. Okay, but, yeah. But we've seen you know not all ideologies. But in another but, another example from communism that you can give is the. Uh, communism was supposed to be this this hugely the factories production was supposed to explode but factory production went down so the the rationalization was that there must be spies in all the factories who are perfect perfect are are purposely sabotaging production they were called wreckers so the only reason like with the glorious revolution is not working is because our our country is plagued with wreckers right right so um, an explanation has to come uh, come in for that, uh, and that's that's what, that's what you'll see in in ideologies is this, this the discordance with reality. There is no mechanism for the ideology to maintain uh, or to maintain its um, its har- its harmon its harmony its um, concordance with with reality as and, the environment changes. And how would you get? How would religion be different than I guess in that case? Like if we gave. A religious example well and this is where i talk about a healthy because you can certainly have this occurrence this discordance with religion and that's what i would call an unhealthy dogma right right because i think that the a, a healthy religion like the iterative group has built into it that that challenging process and this is the healthy relationship between like a student and a mentor or the the hero and the father right that if, if Jordan Peterson uh, talks about like rescuing your father from the underworld, rescuing like, your father from the belly of the whale. That, that's yeah. that's my best Peterson. Okay, yeah, and that's <laughs> I'd like to apologize to everyone. <laughs> Go on. That's that's the mechanism um, of of how the that's the mechanism of how the dogma is brought back into accordance with the environment. 
right? And so that's that's actually baked into the iterative loop, and that's how one of the reasons why it it become it's it's a productive loop, and it stays productive, it stays healthy. So when when people like challenge um, challenge the church for being out of touch, that's a that's a healthy part of the religious process. The religion has to be reinventing itself and correcting itself. The dogma needs to be able to stand up to um, genuine healthy challenge. And if right. not, it a, a little bit of death, a little bit of reform is required. Ideologies lack that mechanism. They become a perfect loop. The, dog, the, the dogma is always referred back to. And if, real, if the environment has changed and if reality has is, is, is gotten out of concordance, then we have to defer to the dogma and reality must be wrong. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's sort of the drum there. Now, uh, one way I'm ex- exploring these ideas is, uh, by reading Tolkien, like the Lord of the Rings. And I think that, like, I mean, I haven't talked about it too much in the, in the podcast, but, uh, you'll see that I, I tie to, a lot of archetypes and mythology and I, 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 and like the whole baked into the, like my, my theory of morals is, uh, this idea that, that really good stories have lots to say about how the world is, about how we should act in the world. They have lots of lessons there. So there's actually, even though it, it could be fantasy, it, 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 the reason it resonates is because it has this concordance with reality and how reality operates. So in the Lord of the Rings, the central vi- villain is um, Sauron, and he has a ring of power, right? Which is the the focal point of the story. Is is Frodo's quest, along with his friends, to destroy the ring, of ring of power, um, Sauron's ring, is uh, the, the the focus of the story. Now, what I think um, the ring represents is the ideology of power, which is ideology in its purest form. Interesting. Like where it's completely divorced from reality. But the ideology is, is totalizing and still there. So reality must bend to the will of the ideology. So, and this, I believe, is what postmodernism is. Or postmodernism is... Uh, the modern closest representation of the, that ideology of totalizing power. And this is why it's so powerful and tempting because it can actually, and it has this, it has this power to control and destroy. Do you want to flesh that out a little bit? Oh, definitely. <laughs> this is where I'm going. So the ring in, in, in the Lord of the Rings, and I, I know that you're Christian, you're not too familiar with the Lord of the Rings, uh, uh, mythos. So uh, you're probably not the best person to have for me to have this conversation <laughs> with, but I maybe I'll be able to connect more to more listeners because I can tell you a little bit more about the Lord of the Rings while I'm doing this. So there isn't just one ring in the Lord of the Rings. There's um, there's the one ring, this uh, uh, Sauron's ring, which is the ring to rule them all, the ring of power. But there's lesser rings that Sauron gifted to the different races of Middle Earth. Right. Right. So there's I've played the video games. Okay. So 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 but there's there's three three rings for the elves. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. There's seven rings for the dwarves and nine rings for the humans, right? Now, all, what what these rings represent is is other ideologies. So it, it's saying that all other all other ideologies um, are are shadows or subservient to the One Ring of Power, right? Because right. ultimately, what is behind all other all the ideologies is power because the power is, is what forces that, um, that oh, how that discordance with reality is handled. Like this sort of like this sort of, this sort of tyranny of like, you know, don't pay attention to that, maintain the ideology. And what happens is, so like all the rings ultimately were sort of traps by Sauron to, to force people, to enslave people to the one ring, you could say postmodernism. But they, but the reason pe- they accepted the rings as gifts and they used them, is uh, because the rings, uh, the rings had utility to their societies. So each each the rings became the center of of sorry the rings became the center of their societies. Now all the humans, the nine rings, they were all they were all corrupted because they were so enthralled with power. But the dwar the dwarves and the elves represents p- different parts of society. Or, um, our, our, our culture and classes that, uh, that exist and have their own ideologies. So the seven kingdoms of the dwarves, like the dwarves are, are more of the entrepreneurial, um, crafts and the people who, the merchants, the, pe- the people who want to go out and build things or dig uh, as they do, they live in mines and they, they find treasure, right? So they're the ones who engage with, um, with reality more and actually produce the goods. They, the economists or the the merchants, right? The, the mer- merchants, right? The merchants. Um, merchants, laborers. The laborers. Uh, yeah, okay. And their rings uh, created huge fortunes of gold, right? Or, or huge fortunes of wealth that eventually attracted dragons, which which destroyed the dwarves or most of the dwarves. So all the, all the dwarves and rings were lost and are lost by the end of the stories. And most of the dwarves fell to... Um, the actual wealth that was generated, but again, it's that the the idea of the ideology. What I'm saying is, it is the discordance with reality increases because there's no there's no it's it's the perfect infinite loop. The ring is the perfect infinite loop, and that's what leads to the destruction. Is that um, there's there can be generative power as long as there's that concordance with reality, but over time, that will break down. So the elves are the most interesting story, though. Because the elves still use their rings, and they don't want to give up their rings, even by the end of the story. So there's three elven rings, and two of the elven rings um, uh, are held held by one is held by Gladriel of Lathlorn, and the other is El- Elrond of Rivendell, which are which are the last two um, great sort of elven cities or civilizations in Middle Earth, and both of them. Both of those beautiful scenes or those beautiful ways of life are maintained by the rings, are maintained by the ideology. Okay. But the but the elves are unique in, in that they're immortal, and eventually they're forced in the story to live leave Middle Earth because they become so disconnected with Middle Earth. So the elves represent the artists and the intellectuals. Okay. And they're they're locked in their ideologies, but they actually 
in, when when the idea when the ideologies of the intellectuals and the the artists um, become distor- disc- discordant with reality, unlike the dwarves who are destroyed by it, the elves are forced to leave along with their ideologies. So they have to bring the rings with them because they're so disconnected from reality from Middle Earth that they have to go off to the realm of a like this 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 other imaginary realm. They have to go with their ideals. So you could sort of talk about their platonic ideals, their their ideology away from from reality. So the elves leave Middle Earth. They the artists and and the intellectuals choose their ideology over reality and leave. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So there's there's lots there. And so there's finally and this is like the twist is Gandalf has the third elven ring. And of course he's instrumental in uh in the destruction the ultimate destruction of the ring of power and Frodo's quests. But you can tell that Gandalf too has his ideology that is slowly becoming discordant from the world of Middle Earth. Which is which is like he has a a heroic ideology, right? So he's he's bringing people on the on these heroic journeys of saving the world. So he's he's sort of a man of his times, right? So he helps he helps save the world, but um, once the world is saved, his ide- ideology is no longer. So like a Trump figure. <laughs> I, was thinking, <laughs> I, I was thinking more Churchill, <laughs> but. All right. <laughs> but you yeah. you can take it there, I guess. <laughs> I'm sure it won't alienate too many of our listeners. Yeah, exactly. I, I really at one point I, I hope that the people who are are suffering from some degree of Trump derangement system, I can bring them on board with some of the topics that we're discussing here. Right, but right. but we are we are filthy, dirty, deplorable Trump supporters. So. <laughs> uh, but, we we shouldn't hide that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was meant to be a little punchier. There, there's so many more people, like you said, Churchill or, or the, yeah, any <laughs> hundreds of, of historical figures that you know. Anyway, there were men of their times that were then put aside once their their time That's... had passed. I think that listener's question was quite the horn of plenty. So I, I think, and that's another episode of of the Total Perspective Vortex. If you like what we're doing here, please like and subscribe. But most of all, most of all, share. Um, Share the podcast around. Uh, recommend an episode that you think will resonate with someone to someone else, and because that's how we'll grow. We'll grow from uh, people sharing the episodes. Cheers. <laughs>